Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here I am. Where are you? What are you up to? Are you cooking? All right. I feel very, it's like a weird little thing to be proud of. I've correctly forecasted the weather of today. It's, um... You know, I always put together the recipes before they go up online, and you're kind of just rolling the dice. Like, is it what? How? What are people going to feel like doing? Well, I have beautiful around the world crockpot recipes that are up at wccoradio.com. You may think chicken tikka masala in a crockpot. What kind of nonsense is that? No, super good. You make a mega batch. You can freeze a bunch. Take care of yourself on other nights when it's cold, because that's all that's coming. All right, here's what I need from you. What are you cooking? Text me, 651-989-9226. I'm picturing you out there. I'm looking through my little magical viewer. You're cleaning up your kitchen. You're putting together a batch of muffins. You're making something to bring a potluck tonight. What are you What are you up to? Text me, 651-989-9226. Um, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a very deep dive into... American cooking. I think that we all kind of take what is American cooking for granted because think about, you know, you go to just something generic like a crisp and green today and you'll get a a kale salad and it'll have a miso dressing and um, it'll have pomegranate seeds and just, you know, things from all over the world. And we don't think about how those things got here, where they came from, what a what a, an amazingly creative universe we live in. I do have a guest today who has been thinking about this really deeply for a long time. So Gabrielle Langholz, she grew up in Alaska reading and rereading the Little House on the Prairie books and went on to write America, the cookbook, and other books about like the essence of American food. And then she has this latest book. It is called A Place at the Table, New American Recipes from the Nation's Top Foreign-Born Chefs, Minneapolis's own pizza queen, Ann Kim. Has a beautiful photo and a couple pages in there. And her grilled Korean short ribs with chimichurri and yogurt. Like, how American is that? That's something you would not see in Korea. That's not something you would see in Brazil. Um Grilled Korean short ribs with chimichurri and yogurt from our beloved Ann Kim. And so I think it's just a good time to kind of dig in and talk about all things American state of the plate with Gabrielle Langholtz, who is joining us from Pennsylvania. Gabrielle, I'm so excited to talk to you. So excited to talk to you. All right. Let's actually just kind of, we got a nice long chunk of time. We've got two segments to talk. So let's get all the basics. Tell me about you. You grew up in Alaska about yep. that reading little house on the prairie <laughs> over and over um well my dad was in the coast guard and my parents are both from new york but um my dad was stationed in juno so yeah my childhood was a ton of blueberry picking and it was a it was an interesting um mix of amazing fresh wild foods um 
um, you know, king salmon, silver salmon, pink salmon, sockeye salmon, um, king crab, rainbow trout. I mean, so much really fiddlehead ferns and blueberries. Um, and then it was also just a ton of super processed food. Um, you know, we had spaghetti from a box with sauce from a jar with that craft Parmesan bright green canister. If you're as old as I am, you might remember it. It's um, still around. Um, yeah. Well, you might remember from last night then. So, <laughs> um, so sure. I, I had a, you know, feasted all, all over and my parents are just both kind of nuts. And um, we ended up, they took us to every state, including three trips to Hawaii. And we just, you know, my mom's a cultural anthropologist, um, and we ate our way across the country and always found, a, you know, rodeo or paper plates or truck stop or whatever, not fine dining stuff at all. My parents were not foodies, but they were just interested in getting to know people in kind of whatever, you know, when in Rome or went on the side of the road in Nebraska, whatever. Um, okay, so you, you grew up in, in Alaska, and that has a yeah. lot of similarities, I know, to growing up in Minnesota because you yeah. have the reading season. You have a couple yes. months to really think <laughs> about stuff and read some books. Like September to May, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very, you know, of course, this is Little House in the Prairie uh, country, so I'm Correct. very, I'm very interested in that because of the, you know, it does have that strain of of self reliance and absolutely scratch living. Talk to me about how that kind of percolated in your mind as a young. Absolutely. Well, I didn't have the context of. As a kid, I just read those books and loved them. And someone, when I was a kid, gave us a gift of the Little House on the Prairie cookbook. I don't know if you know oh, that book. Oh, yes, I do. I love that book. I want to say Laura Walker. I, I might have the name wrong. I'll have to know. I do have two copies, one that she signed. Um, I mean, those books, the original Little House on the Prairie books, um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, are, are really just kind of a how-to of frontier living. I mean, literally, it's just... I think chapter one of the very first book is like how to make a smokehouse, which we had one in our backyard for smoking salmon ourselves. It did not, it was not made out of a hollow log that my pa had chopped down with an ax. But um, those books are really just like how to make pig's tail and how to turn the pig's kidney, uh, pig's bladder into a balloon that you can toss back and forth with your sister Mary. And um, I mean, I I cherish those books as an adult now with a 10-year-old daughter myself in a whole different way. But the um, the recipes, which are collected and um, a little bit modernized in the, um, in the cookbook, are really just capture, you know, and obviously some of the books are in Kansas and um, different, um, the plains, I mean, different kinds of cuisine from that time. But I, I just love the way they kind of capture and with those illustrations. And then they're also, of course, the recipes from upstate New York. I didn't think we were going to be talking about this, but this is one of my very sure. favorite subjects. I mean, the whole Almanzo book is, I think it's Malone, New York, which you can go visit. And all of that, you know, that was the, I believe they had a dairy, thriving dairy farm and apple orchards and all that. So I just, we could spend the whole 25 minutes talking about those books if you want. I, I kind of do. Well, not really. I want to talk about your new book, but I, I do think it's really interesting and in sort of how, you know, your, your book, well, let's talk about America, the cookbook. So you kind of have this very interesting, you know, grounding coming to that. Cause I don't know how many people are really aware of that work today, 
But then you kind of so you really thought deeply about American food in pieces like America the Cookbook. Yeah. So that publisher, Fiden, um, they originally, I don't know if you know the book, The Silver Spoon, which is sort of the joy of cooking of Italy. It's a big. No, I don't know that. Hundreds of recipes. It's maybe 20 or more, probably more than 20 years old now, actually. Um, So Fiden did very well internationally with that book. Um, and they went on to do and still have a series of bi-country Bibles. So they did India, the cookbook, Japan, the cookbook, Cuba, the cookbook. Um, and they asked me if I wanted to do America, the cookbook. So I said yes before they could change their minds. <laughs> and that was a huge project. I think that book is something like 700 recipes. It's um, two or three years old now. And it gave me the opportunity to attempt to ask and attempt to ask and attempt to answer the question, "What is American food?" Because uh, so many of us think of kind of the classic Americana. It's kind of like the kids' menu at Applebee's. You know, it's like hamburger, hot dog, lasagna, right? Um, and chicken nuggets or roast chicken, apple pie, chicken and biscuits, sweet potato pie. Um, and of course, those are sort of pillars of of the American menu, but they're such an also a small part of it. And the American menu is so big and amazing and diverse. Um, so I wanted to use that book as an opportunity to show more of the American menu, which includes spectacular seafood and um, and freshwater fish, as you know so very well, and um, really diverse regional cuisine. I mean, from, from New England, from the lobster roll and clam pizza coming down the coast to the... Um, Amazing yeah, I mean, like, that's something that we we touch on in this show all the time. I mean, America yeah, you is know. enormous. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the the impossibility of putting one label on the food of New Orleans and the food of a you yeah. know fishing village in Maine. It's it's uh, as a, lot, a fair piece of distance. If we were in Europe, Correct. that would be the distance between Denmark and Naples, or something. you know, it Correct. would be a big Quite a few different countries are there. Yep. Yeah, and but you. But you've you've thought about it a lot. Like you, and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I will get to your newest book, uh, which is kind of talks about how foreign-born chefs have really directed a lot of this conversation, because so many of us are foreign-born or you know a generation away from foreign-born in this country. Yep. But um, let's talk. Let's stay with that topic of American food because I think that's really interesting to try to um, really define it. It's a it's a challenge. Uh, exactly. It is. I mean, you could write a 700 recipe cookbook about every single state. Yes. I mean, in a way, it's like this giant doorstop of a book. It kind of doesn't even scratch the surface. I mean, um, you could spend 100 years and, and, and people do have uh, hundreds of um, recipes in a book about you know every single state. I mean, pick but, a state. but you came to There's some you came recipes. to some conclusions about some kind of core pillars, yeah. some crumb threads. Let's talk about my that. Assignment, sure. My assignment sort of was to pick the quintessential iconic dishes from every state, um, which was super fun and in some places really hard. Um, and there is so much regional cuisine. I mean, look at North Carolina; it has 
two different really distinct styles of barbecue, of course, which are really distinct from neighboring state style of barbecue. I mean, look at South Carolina. It has the low country cuisine um, with all of that amazing um, shrimp and oysters. And, you know, and then you go to the western part of the state and there's pork. And, uh, you know, it's just a different landscape, a different ecosystem and a completely different cuisine as a result. Um, and you have rice in the eastern wetlands. So, I mean, for every single state, it's essentially, um, there's regionalism even within the state. So we, me and my team for that book went through and tried to identify um, those quintessential dishes from every single state. And, um, and, it, and, it was a, and it was a ton of fun. And I, revis- I had already been to every state, um, which is not the same thing as living a life in every single state. And I revisited, I, I think, 23 states um, for it. And also um, have a, an essay and a few recipes from an, from an expert chef um, in every single state in that book, too. And so roughly your conclusion is that America, it's big, right? That's, that's kind of where we... That's America kind of, is big. America is diverse. And even before I had the thought of working on this book, America is the product of people. American cuisine, and I guess you could say our country, too, um, reflects the fact that people have been coming here from around the world for hundreds of years. So from a culinary perspective, um, I love a lot of the native food, some of which we were mentioning at the top. Uh, I mean, I love salmon. I love lobster. I love corn and maple syrup and turkey. Um, But the vast majority of even what we think of as Americana of of the, the classic American menu was brought here by immigrants. I mean, some of those foods that I was mentioning, it's like hamburger is from Hamburg. Frankfurt is from Frankfurt. I mean, apples are native to Afghanistan. There was no pork. There was no beef. There was no chicken. There was no dairy. There was no beer, right? I mean, right. like the things that we think of, pizza, lasagna, uh, macaroni and cheese. I mean, these, you know, Thomas Jefferson brought basically pasta back um, from from Europe around the time of the revolution. So um, when you ask people, um, you know, if you say, oh, name immigrant cuisine today, they may say, you know, Korean food or, or, or fill in the blank. And it's true. Or Thai food, Vietnamese food, Guatemalan. Um, but those are only some of the more recent foods. I mean, 100 years ago, um, you know, I've got some Italian ancestry and that was considered to be completely ethnic food. And um, literally pizza and pasta were essentially unknown in this country. Uh, pizza was essentially unknown in this country literally 100 years ago. And now it's just like it's what's for dinner, right? Every single night. So uh, that was something that I hadn't really realized or thought about how much of the American menu is food that's brought here by immigrants. Again, I love corn and turkey and corned beans and squash, right, and lima beans and uh, maple syrup very much. But we now have um, an American menu that really reflects the flavors that people have bringing, been bringing here from around the world for hundreds of years. Okay, we're going to take a little break here, okay, because we're going to get into your new book that perfectly lays Great. the foundation for what I wanted to talk about, because I think it's it's just fascinating. You've devoted your career to kind of thinking about what is American, what is American food, and you come in it, come in at it at so many different entrance points, and this new book 
is is kind of a mind blower. Okay, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back with Gabrielle Langholtz and her new book, A Place at the Table. All right, I'm Dara. Uh, we're doing a deep dive into like the meaning, the essence, the definition of American food today. I love this. Are you in your kitchen making strudel for the weekend? Then you're you're doing some some American cooking, getting some apple pies. I think apples come from Afghanistan slash, slash Kazakhstan part of the world. Um, and so Gabrielle Langholtz is here with us today. She's been talking to us about her. Her very interesting career, kind of deep diving into what is American food. And this was sort of as a, a run-up to the main course that we're going to be talking about here. Her new book is called A Place at the Table, New American Recipes from the Nation's Top Foreign-Born Chefs. It's a, a product uh, brought to us by the Vilcek Foundation, which I did not know about, okay. but they've been giving out awards uh, to uh, – Foreign-born people of different different cultural disciplines for a long time, unbeknownst to me, um, and and the the chefs, the cult, you know, food culture was awarded recently, and of course, I mean, just American food has so many important foreign-born chefs. I mean, you really couldn't um, you couldn't even begin to count them, uh, of, you know, from all the great French chefs who kind of started our restaurant culture. I mean, just so much. All right, so Gabrielle, tell me about this. So you had this background of really thinking about American food and American recipes, and then you got involved with the Vilcek Foundation, kind of helping mm-hmm. them. Tell me about the Vilcek Foundation. They are amazing. I have known the founders, Jan and Maritza Vilcek, for 20 years now, and I have so much uh, respect and admiration for their work. So Jan and Maritza themselves came to this country as penniless refugees with one suitcase between the two of them and made their fortune here. Jan is a biomedical scientist and uh, was a professor at NYU for decades. And uh, Maritza is an art historian at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And they have given away over $100 million now um, to arts and culture here in this country, major museums, et cetera. And one of their real passion points and um, specific missions and messages of their foundation is to honor the contributions of immigrants to this country and to help pay it forward a little bit. They say they found a really welcoming community and set of opportunities here when they came with nothing and uh, had a bunch of strangers who were very friendly to them. And they sort of pay it forward and and honor um, fellow immigrants uh, now with their annual prizes. So um, the annual prizes are presented in a rotating category of the arts. So um, when dance was the category um, Barishnikov won when music was the category. Yo-Yo Ma won, um, and it, it, I'm friends with them. And we said, "Hey, you know, you should do the culinary arts one year." So I think that was 2010. I worked with them on uh, the prizes that year, and Chef Jose Andreas, an immigrant from Spain, uh, won the first Vilcek Prize that year, and he used the prize money to found World Central Kitchen, which you may know does Oh, is that the, was that the startup money for that? I had no idea. We did not know. I mean, the the prize money is unrestricted, so you can do whatever you want with it, and that's what Jose did with the money. 
Oh, oh he is a hero. I, I just did a big uh, cover story for my other job, which is I write for Delta Sky, the airplane magazine. Oh, great. And we just yeah. did a big cover on him. And he is just a, a fascinating figure. So, yes. so what thoughtful. A um, and a hero, too. Yeah. And, you know, he often wears a T-shirt that says immigrant. And he tweets at, at our nation's leaders all the time and is uh, such a, a passionate person about um opportunity in this country. So he was the first culinary awards winner of the Belichick Prize. Um, and this past April, um, we presented, the foundation presented culinary prizes again. Um, and it was amazing to work with the jury, which had people from um, national restaurant critics from Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, Gem Spirit Foundation. Um, and the main prize, $100,000 prize, went to Chef Marcus Samuelson, who's born in Ethiopia, um, adopted as, I think, a three-year-old, he and his sister, uh, by a family in Sweden where he grew up, um, came to New York in his 20s, and is now really a world-class chef. He um, cooked, uh, I think he was the first African-American chef to cook a White House state dinner, if I remember that correctly. He, okay, so we um, know him in Minneapolis because he had a restaurant here. He had a, the the first outpost of Aquavit. That no left kidding. New York, and then it didn't no didn't kidding. succeed here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was in and out of Minneapolis for a while because there was an Aquavit here in the Idea Center, and the long story oh, of that one was that wow. they got because of his Swedish his, his cuisine, of yes. course, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I loved Aquavit. I, I still do. Yes. Um, no, I never knew they had a Minneapolis location. Yes, and then a bunch Amazing. of uh, chefs that kind of trained there or trained at that Minneapolis Aquabeat, still are here. So there's um, Marcus Samuelson influence all over the Twin Cities. Excellent. Um, Yeah, there's, uh, anybody listening, um, Moochie's, which is our, like, famous fried pizza restaurant. That crew kind of came out of um, Aquavit and... Uh, different fine, different fine dining restaurants. Anyway, so it's a it's a funny, a funny funny cross foundations it. of the world. But yeah, so Marcus is a is an amazing chef. And then when I was going through the book, you have just chefs from all over the country. You have yep. Ann Kim, our beloved. Yep, yep, yeah. So we featured um, Marcus won the main prize, and then we have three prizes. The foundation has three prizes for rising stars. Um, that includes um, a woman named Knight Yun, who has a Cambodian restaurant. She was a Cambodian refugee, came to this country as a refugee, has a restaurant in Oakland that after we won the prize, she, uh, after we gave her the prize, she went on to be named um, one of Bonap- uh, Food of Mine's best new chefs and has just gotten a ton of attention in the last year. Um, also, Fabian Von House, who has a restaurant in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. He's uh, born in Mexico City. So in, in the process of researching these prizes, considering different candidates for the prizes, we realized, I mean, we had a list of about 140 top candidates, and we said, okay, we're only going to have four prize winners. Uh, We've got to make a book. And right now, to be honest, there's so much xenophobia in this country, and we felt it was just such an opportunity beyond the prizes um, to shine a light on people from coast to coast who have come here from around the world. And there is a stereotype um, that immigrants in restaurants are low skill, no skill, washing dishes, peeling potatoes. I mean, that exists, certainly. Um, like I was saying about the American cuisine earlier, it's part of the story. It's a very incomplete part of the story. Sure. And, and then the a lot of people who kind stuff. of start dishwashing, you work your way up. I was a 13-year-old dishwasher in my own life. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's not, a, so that's not an ending point. Stuff in this book 
are diverse in that they come from around the world. Um, but they're also diverse in the path that they took. I mean, we have chefs from, from Turkey and Sweden and Colombia, Philippines, Nigeria, Thailand, New Zealand, Quebec, Argentina. I mean, I could go on. France. Um, you have our our beloved Dominique Crenn, the uh, absolutely uh, chef yes. in San Francisco, Pretty who we had in town a couple of years ago, and and she just blew us all away. Um, and you, she is the craziest recipe in there. Uh, so oh, she does. Good she for does. you for for fact checking that uh, one. There was no, there was nothing simpler that she could possibly do. So you know, she's a perfect example. Um, there are two chefs in this book who have three Michelin stars. Um, yeah, when she was here, she the- basically said, you know, she could not have had the career that she has had in France. She needed to be here because yep. uh, it's kind of close to women there, you know. And so there's a, a bunch of, of parts of this. OK, so I'm talking to Gabrielle Langholz. Her book is A Place at the Table, New American Recipes from the nation's top foreign born chefs. This is her third book kind of exploring the, the essence, like what is America? Who is America? What do we eat? <laughs> and this is what I really have been all leading up to this question. Gabrielle, what did working on this new book teach you about American chefs and American cooking and American food? Um, I would say the biggest um, aha moment for me came when I was on a panel and someone said, what is the future of American food? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not studying. the. F- I don't have a crystal ball. And another panelist said, kimchi tacos. You know, he gave the two word answer. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so perfect. Kimchi tacos. Because, uh, like, as you said a moment ago with Dominique Crenn, she couldn't have had this career in France. Uh, uh, you know, the other chefs in this book couldn't have had this career in Guatemala, Colombia, Ethiopia, Peru, fill in the blank, Argentina. Um, because people don't necessarily just move here and say, here is the exact recipe that my great-great-grandmother made in my homeland. Uh, sure, there's some of that in there. I love having, quote-unquote, authentic, which is such a charged word now, cuisine. But people in the United States riff. And I mean, I'm not to, not to say that this doesn't happen anywhere else, but it is so American. I think this kind of creativity at the boundaries, at the at the forefront and frontier of melding a new cuisine and making American food more delicious. I mean, for the most part, the chefs in this book are not making the uh, an exact recipe that you would find in their homeland. Um, like I have a Japanese born chef who cooks in Austin, Texas, and he makes like this Japanese barbecue that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, you know, I've got um, like right there in Minnesota, we've got Ann Kim, who's who's putting kimchi on pasta. We've got Ed Lee, who's in Louisville, who's who's putting um, kimchi on quail. And he's doing this like southern food with a mix of Asian flavors. And he grew up in Brooklyn, you know, born in Korea. But um, or I've got a chef who's from Asia, but but cooked in Louisiana under Leah Chase, you know, this like icon of African-American cuisine. And she's riffing and, and cross-pollinating and, and putting things together. So for me, that that notion, um, or even Fabian Van House, my chef from Mexico City, 
he doesn't cook Mexican food. I mean, he cooks food. If you were to say, what is this? You might say, I don't know, Israeli? Is it, is it Japanese? I mean, depending on which course you eat, it's not global. It's just some of the best food in the world. I mean, he cooked in France. He's cooked in Asia. And um, he cooked uh, in Copenhagen. And, um, you know, he's grown up in Mexico City. So... Um, and, and, and studied at the CIA at the, at the Culinary Institute in New York, which is what he came for. So I think that was the biggest aha for me is, um, and so many of the chefs, because I interviewed all of them to write their, their bios and, and have a quote from each of them. So many of them talked about that and said, sure, some said, oh, I have the opportunity here. Um, meaning when one works hard or, you know, they talk about opportunity in that sort of traditional way. Um, but a lot of them talked about a culinary opportunity, like in so many countries, um, take France. I mean, there right. are, take Italy, there are very specific, like you would never, you would never violate the DOC. You know, you would never like, this is the only <laughs> way and you can't call it champagne unless it's from grapes grown in Champagne. That's right. This exact time honored, <laughs> centuries old. That and is you a, probably have to, like, be descended from the person, you know. And, and that is exactly like right. Like the, the strength it's of like, the old world, whether it's, you know, Spain or China, is that they do things the way they always did. And the strength the of America, one. and I think that's what comes through so well yep. in your book, is the, the fearlessness, the just being at the frontier of bringing things together, that just the creativity that yep. comes from is having everything at your fingertips. Yep. And that opportunity that's like, I'm going to play with this. And I'll, I'll tell you a couple of chefs from the previous generation who aren't in the book, um, but are such examples of that. Um, Wolfgang Puck, born in Austria, oh, super yes. famous in L.A. for putting like smoked salmon on pizza. You know, like this doesn't exist in Austria. It doesn't exist anywhere. Um, Jean-Georges von Richten, um you know, famous French chef in New York. He's not cooking French food. He's using lemongrass and broth. He has no, none of those white sauces. He's very influenced by Thailand and Japan. Um, um, oh my gosh. I'm okay, so we, the, um, we, we've got to take a break here. But, okay, sorry, uh, sorry. I could go on all day. But, I know. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Well, you are just a resource now. I am going to be following your career because the <laughs> I love this just breadth of going from that kind of frontier little house in the prairie universe to, you know, Ann Kim grilled short ribs with chimichurri and yogurt, um, you know, just to... The, the breadth of American food, um, and you have just showcased it in your work. I am I'm so happy to know about you. Well, thanks for the conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. All right. Thank you so much. All right. This has been Gabrielle Langholtz. Her book is A Place at the Table, New American Recipes from the Nation's Top Foreign-Born Chefs. We come back, we're going to talk crockpots. That's some American food. I got all the good crockpot recipes when we come back. Yeah, we're doing crock pot around the world in honor of foreign-born chefs. That's all we really we have. Very few Native American uh, crock pot recipes in our world, so I think all of basically our crock pot recipes are kind of foreign-born. That's what we do in our kitchens. All right, so here's what's up. Go to wccoradio.com. You will see these all. They are beautiful. I have a slow cooker chicken masala. Because I've been Indian kick lately for work, South Indian that is, and this is just a good good recipe. <laughs> it's creamy, it's spicy. You can make a double double batch, freeze it, really, really living well. An Italian pork roast 
crock pot. Go, you know how you go to the butcher and they've got the nice pork cheddar roast and it's kind of looks beautiful and it's ready to go. Well, you could just kind of throw that in your crock pot with a couple of cans of tomatoes and later kind of pull it apart when it's all cooked and put that on some polenta. That's living large. I've got a recipe for a Moroccan tagine, a little lamb and prunes and North African spices. This one makes the house smell so good. Got a chipotle chicken chili. Chipotle is something other than the uh, fast, casual, grab-and-go. It is also a can of peppers and hot chili peppers and sauce. And this is a way to use that little can, use some of the sauce, use a few of the peppers. Very nice. Use more of them if you want real spice. And then how about some beef goulash? I'm going to say that this is one of life's most underrated dishes Uh, I think the secret to a good beef goulash is fresh paprika. You can't get the old. If you have old paprika that's been sitting in your cupboard for a while, it just turns to dust. So I think just buy as much as you're going to use. Penzi's has ones I really like. There's like three Penzi's locations, I think, in the Twin Cities. I like a combination of sweet and hot paprika for a goulash. You, You do you. If you just like only sweet paprika, you can do that. Anyway, that is just a great recipe. Also freezes well. Big old slow cooker full of goulash. You'll be set up. That'll be nice. All right. These are all at WCCORadio.com. The fast shortcut to get there is WCCORadio.com slash Dara. If you're just on Facebook all day, you can check it. They're all up on my Facebook page, Dara.Grumdahl. Dara here. We are back. Um, I got a question. Someone's thinking about getting a Costco membership and wants to know, is it worth it? Uh, I think the thing about Costco is it's definitely worth it in terms of, like, you're going to get the lowest price on graham crackers. Uh, Is it worth it in terms of, like, do you want to be a person who lives with a bazillion graham crackers? Like, that's the real question. Um, I find that a lot of people that get that Costco membership, like, they just start living in a Costco universe. Like, they're a panda in the bamboo forest and all they can eat is bamboo except it's it's costco so um you know it's it just depends on how you want to live your life for me not worth it because i don't think that that's how i want to live other people a lot of people seem to like it all right so what is happening here next week we've got jordan smith he's the black sheep founder and uh, minneapolis pizza king he's going to come on and talk about the secret to building a better pizza. Is it robots? No, it's not. I'm just joking. Uh, we're going to find out exactly what the secret is next week. Uh, till then, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that is a, a medical emergency and you should see a professional. So um, you can take notes if it happens to you and text me about it next week and we will meet up here again on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, Celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.